It's always more fun than a big box of isobars. Get ready for more cool stuff, more weather, more science, more sky, more fun, fun, fun. Welcome to season three of Weather Jazz. Here's Andre. Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything. Weather, science, earth science, and a whole lot more. I'm your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Berninger, and I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is season three, episode number 49 for Science Wednesday, April 5th. 2023, and it's the first day of the work week for my sponsor, Rise and Dine in Chesterland. They are open Wednesday through Monday. They're closed on Tuesdays, so they're open today. And owner operators Frank and Terry Arco are waiting for you, and sometimes even at the door with a smile on their face because they want to make sure that you are going to have a smile on your face the minute you hit the door, when you're seated, when you're waiting for your food, when you get your food, and when you are leaving. They are located right in downtown Chastelin, right at the corner of routes 306 and 322, and they are just south of the standalone CVS store in the plaza on the southeast corner. I hope you'll give them a sample soon because it won't be your last visit. If you've not yet been there, you'll sample it and you'll go back again. Menu items are wide, varied, and interesting. Yes, as someone who grew up in a culinary family, that menu is pretty decent. I beg you to give them a try, and if you do, make sure you let them know that you heard all about Rise and Dine on Weather Jazz. Okay, it's Science Wednesday, and we have been in a series called The Big Blue Marble, visiting different places on planet Earth, learning more about them, its nuances, and all of the truly fascinating things on each individual spot on our planet. Well, today we're going to take just a little bit of a breather, as I mentioned on the Monday episode. You see, last week I had as my podcast guest, Neil Manasa. He's a longtime friend, and recently he took up beekeeping, and he's learned a whole lot. Just in case you have at least been interested in beekeeping, what it takes to be a beekeeper, or you are just curious about it, this is going to be part two of a conversation that we had last week. Part one dealt with a couple of the mistakes uh, that he made along the way and that he hopes that you will benefit from if you're either A, a beekeeper or B, considering becoming one. We'll finish up the conversation right now with a little more of some of the nuances that has kept them busy in the Manassa household in Northern Virginia. Last year, we we only had one hive when we talked right. last time. Right. And uh, going into winter, we had four. One, mm-hmm. we bought a second hive. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's very, very interesting. You buy bees through the mail. You can buy them through the mail. And and uh, it kind of unnerves the post postal employee because... 
they have this uh, little box that's like a screen, mm -hmm. uh, like you'd find on the screen door. Oh, and, wow. And you see uh, 12,000 bees crawling around inside this screened box, and it, it buzzes. As he goes, this is, I'm trying to deliver my mail here. Coming from the back of my truck. It's a little unnerving, he says, but sure. I understand. You know, we mm -hmm. deliver a lot of different things through the mail. Well, anyway, we, we bought a, a second hive that way. Uh, we bought a, a box of bees, and that was our second hive. And then shortly after we bought the bees, we had two, uh, two wild swarms, one on our property and mm -hmm. one on a friend's property. And the friend was a beekeeper who said, I don't have the provision for a second hive, but I've got a swarm. Well, we had the hive box already made and we were looking for a swarm. So he, he, he got them over to us. He, he knocked the hive, uh, the swarm down into a cardboard box and duct taped it up and give it, gave that to us. And as long as we were able to put it in the box right away, uh, they took right to the hive box that we put mm. them in. And, uh, so we, yeah, we went into the fall of uh, 2022 with um, four hives, and wow. uh, it was it, it was great. It, it's a lot of work. Uh, we talked about the attack on the American honeybee. Well, uh, there is no such thing as the American honeybee, but we've adopted the Italian honeybee as the American honeybee because of their 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 docile, they're hardworking, mm -hmm. they produce uh, a good flavored honey. Um, but there's been a real attack on the American hives uh, over the, over the last 40 years. Um, first with the Varroa mite, which is this tick. It's a, it's like a bee tick. Mm -hmm. And, and it knows just where to plant itself on. Uh, it would be as if a tick planted itself between your shoulder blades on the, on your back. Mm -hmm. you, you can't get to it, you right. know, and yeah. bees aren't smart enough to, to, to groom each other. You know, you're on your own. If you're a bee, you're on your own. So mm. um, these things, and then uh, if, if uh, using the tick analogy, it would be as if you had a tick in the middle of your back the size of a basketball. That's how wow. big these things get in reference, in relevance to the bee size. So they will, uh, they, bees, bees have a little bit of body fat, if you can believe it. And um, these mites, uh, will vampire themselves onto the bee. They, they suck the body fat out of the bee and it decimates the bee and they become frail and die. Mm -hmm. And so if you, you have to constantly, uh, be on the lookout. Um, you've got to, there are ways to eradicate the mites out of your hive, but then we have this other pest called the hive beetle and it looks like a, a, a black ladybug. Mm -hmm. it, it has no spots on it. It's, it's, it's about a little bit smaller than a ladybug, but the same shape, little, mm -hmm. little half round body. And, um, they will, they will crawl all over the wax and, um, they'll eat the larva. They'll eat the wax and they, what's called foul. They'll, they'll, they produce a slime and they will foul a hive if you get beyond, beyond hope. Then you've got to um, just totally replace the hive uh, with with new wax, uh, new new foundations, and all that. Um, and and so they 
the larva has to crawl out of the hive and fall to the ground where they they bury themselves in the soil like uh, like the cicadas do. Mm-hmm. You know, they then they they come out of the soil as beetles and they fly back up into the hive. So uh, that came over from Africa mm-hmm. uh, okay. when they they brought the African bees. They brought these beetles with mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. and they have taken over North American beehives. Wow. As well as the varroa mite came from China and has taken over the uh, the hives in America. So we're we're under a lot of uh, pressure. The bees in America are under a lot of pressure, and they have this thing called hive collapse, and and that is where the bee just cannot. Uh, there's only so much a bee can take, and then it just gives up. It, mm-hmm. it just it collapses and dies, and so. For years, they didn't know what was causing the the hive collapses around the country, and there was a big uh, a, a big concern about losing the American honeybee. But they f- figured out these two pests. They figured out how to control them, and now uh, we're starting to see a, a re uh, emergence of beekeeping in America, which is great. Mm-hmm. And and two high schoolers in my church this week. <clears throat> um, uh, the the associate pastor said, "Do you see these two young ladies here?" And I says, "Yeah." They hit the they hit the bee lottery this week. And this is what are you talking about? Well, in in our state, in our Commonwealth of Virginia, uh, you can apply, and if you're selected, they will give you a hive. Um, they're encouraging um, rural people to. Have have mm-hmm. beehives here, there, and everywhere inside the state. So um, check if your if your state offers it. Why not? If you're interested, uh, sometimes they they have funds to completely wow. buy, buy the whole setup, which can be a thousand dollars. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so check your state to see if uh, there are there's a hive programs. Mm-hmm. If there are, take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. Good advice because the the bee population took, uh, from what I understand, quite a hit in the last few decades. And so, has there been number wise any kind of recovery from? Have we hit that low point yet? Do you know? Yes. Yeah, I think I think we have. Uh, I think we're on top of it. A good mm-hmm. responsible beekeeper knows what to look for. So uh, when I open my when you open your hives and you see these little teeny black beetles scur- scurrying, scuttling about, mm-hmm. you realize, oh gosh, I got hive beetles. So, so what you do you s- do about the hive beetles? How do you get rid of those? You you bait them with with poison. Okay. Um, it's it's a poison bait that you stick in a trap that only the I hive see. beetles can get into. Ah, okay, all right. And they they mm-hmm. eat it. If the bees were to eat it, it would be bad for the bees. But mm-hmm. so you stick it in these little teeny where it only has a hole big enough for a hive beetle, it's too big for the bees. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> okay. we do that, and um, they uh, they get poisoned out. They they also you you can actually um, put in uh, or spread grubex around the hive because bees don't walk in the grass. Mm-hmm. They fly to the hive. They fly oh. out of the hive. Okay. They never fly to the ground. Mm-hmm. So if you put grub X around the hives carefully and, mm-hmm. and according to directions on the on the insecticide, that uh, you can actually 
kill the larvae in the soil mm. so mm-hmm. that they don't ever mature and fly back into the hive. Got so it. there's a couple of ways to treat it. Uh, the varroa mite is a different story that that you have to, um, there's a stuff called oxalic acid. And uh, oxalic acid is a, is a naturally occurring substance you see in, um, like spinach. Mm-hmm. Any deep, deep green has oxalic acid in it. And so they've, they've distilled this out of the plant into a powder. And when you stick it under an intense heat, it vaporizes and forms a, a white, whitish fog that then condenses inside the hive and crystallizes into very sharp crystals. It would be like you and I walking on broken glass. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be able to do it. Well, that, that's what eradicates the varroa mite is the bees can walk on that, but the varroa mites can't. And if they, if the bees brush up against a wall, uh, it cuts, it cuts the varroa mite. The varroa mite has no, no clotting factor in it. Ah, uh, okay. Decimates the varroa mite. So with the, the two pests that are decimating the hives, the beekeepers have found solutions to. And it's just a matter of, of uh, diligence on the beekeeper's part to, uh, keep, it, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, uh, as I said a year ago, the uh, bee is the only insect that produces a food for mankind. You know, right, I'm it not produces about, more than what it needs, right? It, way right, more. Right, I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not talking about crickets and, and making mm-hmm. cricket flour. You're making it out of the insect itself. I mm-hmm. mean, insect, it's the only insect that makes a food right. for mankind. Wow. <laughs> well, let me, let me uh, bring two things up. Uh, since I uh, see that I have eight minutes left on my connection here because I have the free Zoom account. (laughs) Okay. Um, First of all, I wanted to let you know, you talked about the really, really, really light honey. That's, you gave me a sample. That's right. That's right. And when I tasted that honey, it was unlike anything I have ever had. I mean, there's just, I said, taste the flavor of this thing. It's unlike anything we've ever tasted. It was truly one of the most, okay, not one of, it was the most delightful honey I have ever had. Well, and, I'll have to send you some stout honey. Okay. And so the so stout can, honey is, is, is it, it's a good name for it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I coined that. It is stout. It is definitely got a stoutness to it. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'll send you some of that. And that'll then, be um, interesting, yeah. It, it, with a couple minutes left, I wanted to let everybody know that the best thing you could ever do, I'm a gardener as well. The best mm-hmm. thing I ever did was get bees because my garden produced three times as much crops. Wow. Uh, it, I mean, I mean, we had hundreds of pounds of tomatoes. Wow. And we, we put up, uh, I think, 80 pints of green beans out of mm. just a couple of plants. Um, this year we're putting in peas and corn and carrots and, and cucumbers and potatoes and all that. And, uh, the bees definitely, I saw them all over my plants and I said, Oh, this is great mm-hmm. because they are the, they, what do they do? They pollinate, right. they pollinate produces the, the, the fruit, the pollinate produces the vegetables. So there was a direct impact from your beekeeping and your garden, which was probably. X number oh, of feet away. It, it, it was pr- yeah. The garden is probably a hundred yards away from the bees. Uh-huh. Okay, which, which is which is might as well be right next door. Yeah. Okay. Oh, 
Yeah. And, the bees uh, knew where, so, that, where their food supply was. Yeah. Very funny. Uh, and real quick, I know we're running low on time. When I harvested the honey out mm-hmm. of the, the hive that I killed, I hate to say that, but um, it was really interesting. I brought it back to the house and my wife says, you're not doing that inside because that was the first mistake I did last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no surface that doesn't become sticky if you, if you harvest honey. Yeah. So we did it on the back porch and I'm cutting the caps off with a capping knife and the honey is flowing into a bucket mm-hmm. that I have set with, you know, for catching the honey. And all of a sudden there's this little, and, and the little bee lands on my knee and my brother-in-law, Kevin is standing next to me. And I says, you see that bee? And he goes, yeah. I says, when that bee flies away, we've got 20 minutes to get the honey done or else we will be covered in oh, bee. Oh, wow. Because I had a little bit of honey on my, on my knee and it yeah. landed and it lapped it up. Mm-hmm. And then it took off. And I said, it's now back at the hive, giving the coordinates mm-hmm. of where to go find honey. Wow. No kidding. We wrapped it up. And, and when we're done scraping the frames it still had plenty of honey dripping off of them mm-hmm. that I, I couldn't get to. I set them aside on the porch and no kidding, thousands of bees, <laughs> thousands. Wow. You could hear them. My wife took a video. You could hear the bees buzzing. Wow. Almost through the glass. Mm-hmm. And um, you know what? They did a phenomenal job. They cleaned every drop of honey off the, off the frames much better than, I mean, I didn't want to come along with a hose and, and mm-hmm. hose it off. Right. Why hose it off when you've got 10,000 oh. bees that'll take it back to their hives? And so, they were very, very happy. Very happy. Very, very happy. That's a but, good way to, to clean things up then. Yes. Yes. They, we use them to clean up. And then when, when I empty the buckets, I just put the buckets outside on their side um, so the bees could crawl through the bucket. Um, and uh, they went back to the hive, told everybody where the, they found more honey, and there was another two or 300 bees. Mm-hmm. They showed up with their little janitor hats on and <laughs> cleaned everything up. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So well, bees, are, bees are remarkable. Everybody should get bees. Everybody should get bees. Keep responsibly. us posted. Right. Keep us posted uh, as... Um, you hopefully will will get your two other hives back in in some way, shape, or form. But uh, we're, um, we're coming into swarm season. That's yeah. where you capture a wild hive. We okay. Did that. Yeah, we got. That's how we got two of our hives last year. And so we're ready. We're, okay. We're, we're ready with empty and clean houses to uh, allow swarms to occupy. So keep, keep us posted, won't you? I will. I will. Neil, thanks. Great, and, it was great uh, talking with you. Yeah, likewise. And continued excellent health, and may that remission be forever. Oh, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. We're, we're just so thrilled that uh, everything is looking looking up, and you got your hair back, which is a good thing. It and took forever. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if it was coming back, but it came back in, so... That's yeah. awesome. Thanks again for all you do, and we appreciate uh, you coming on to Weather Jazz and telling us more about your bees. And keep, again, keep us posted. Will do. Thank you so much.
Bees are fascinating creatures. Indeed, they are. And it's almost like they want to partner with humans and benefit humans. And indeed, they do. It's a sweet, sweet subject. And it's my hope to keep tabs of what's happening in Northern Virginia with our friends, the Manassas and their beehives. And let's hope uh, that they will get a few more of those hives that were lost, unfortunately, in the last uh, couple of months. All right, where are we going for Friday? Because this was the episode I was going to release on Friday. And then the thought hit me, it's Holy Week. And Friday is Good Friday, rather than taking Good Friday off. What I'm going to do is essentially allow you to listen to the conversation I had on WKJA-FM, Heartfelt Radio, and 91.9 FM in Cleveland about the Easter message that I will be preaching at New Promise Church in Kirtland, Ohio. The title of the message is called A Tale of Two Rocks. Now, that caught the attention of Mark Zimmerman, the early morning show host on Heartfelt Radio. And he said, why don't you come on and talk about that? Because that's a really unusual title for an Easter Sunday. I assured him it was Easter related, but that we were going to essentially get to that Easter message in a rather unusual way, as the title may indicate. So I hope you'll join me on Friday for a rebroadcast of the conversation that I had with Mark on Tuesday morning on WKJA in Barberton slash Cleveland, Ohio. Good Friday. It comes early this year, and we will see you with that episode of Weather Jazz right here in a couple of days. Weather and science across the globe. Across the globe. Across the globe. The Weather Jazz Podcast.